new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Spoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. We are recording this podcast mid-Friday morning, and it is Clemson week. Big game on the schedule for the Hurricanes. Uh, When the schedule came out, and it's an even bigger game now, considering how the season has played out through this midway point. Go check out the previous podcast if you want to hear us ramble for two hours about where things stand for the Hurricanes here at the midway point of the season. But as everyone who listens to this podcast knows, this is a key game to kind of get things back on track. But before we get into the game, Gabby, I think we got to touch on some recruiting news that happened on Thursday night with Miami securing the commitment of Four-star defensive end Booker Pickett, who goes 6'3", 205 out of Tampa Wharton High School, the number 212 overall player in the country. According to the composite, Miami's now in the top 10 of the national team recruiting rankings after that pickup. Gabby, what do you want to say about this pledge? Yeah, I think it's a I, I definitely think it's a, a solid addition for the Hurricanes. I mean, I just think getting to the ability to get to the quarterback is obviously at a premium just in football. And really, I mean, Booker Pickett has been one of the most productive pass rushers in America over the course of his high school career. He was a first team Max Preps junior All-American last year. Uh, other members of that first team included five star defensive lineman David Stone, five star edge rusher. Colin Simmons. So when it comes down to Friday nights and what he does on Friday nights, Booker Pickett is is one of the best in the country at 30 sacks as a junior uh, in the Tampa area, which is a very talented, uh, you know, region of, of, of the state of Florida where a ton of dudes come out year after year. So it's not like he's playing, uh, you know, down competition or anything like that. Uh, it's a school that's produced high level power five talents previously. I mean, Vernon Hargraves, the third went there. He was a five-star cornerback signed with Florida, all that fun stuff. Um, Booker Pickett is a, you know, he, what, what he can do really, really well. He does it at a high level. Uh, he's an athletic guy. Uh, he's a Miami legacy. His dad played, uh, you know, defensive end and linebacker for the hurricanes in the mid nineties. And uh, look, I mean, I think this is a guy that, you know, he's kind of, you know, I may, maybe physically uh, still has some some room to grow. Again, he's floating around maybe that 205, 210 pound range. But I mean, if you just think about his potential as just kind of like a speed rusher, a, a pass rushing specialist, maybe in certain packages, I mean, you could definitely, you, I mean, there's plenty of reason to be excited about what Booker Pickett could give Miami down the line. And uh, look, I mean, this is a strong group of pass rushers that Miami has kind of collected between Marquis Lightfoot, Elias Rudolph, and now Booker Pickett. And uh, that that that's a good place to be strong. That's a good place to have dudes. And uh, I think Booker Pickett is a, a really good addition to uh, a class that now ranks number 10 in the country. So, uh, you know, Miami's definitely, uh, you know, positioning themselves uh, to kind of make that top 10 push when it's all said and done. Yeah, I like the idea of what they're adding at defensive end in this cycle. Now, I don't, I don't know if any of these guys are going to be like instant impact players. Maybe Lightfoot can be. But I do think when we watch this year's team, you know, I think it's fair to say I wish they had guys that could finish pressures, turn pressures into sacks. And I think that's the hope with what this recruiting class can bring in the future. Uh, you know, lengthy guys, guys that can close. That's one thing when you watch Booker on his tape is he, his closing speed is impressive to the quarterback or any ball carrier. Um, we'll see how his frame fills out. And you mentioned his high school production. And look, I'm not saying he's the same type of prospect, but Ruben Bain was a similar way in high yeah. school with his high school production. And it has certainly translated 
to this college level, they are much different prospects, yeah. much different players in terms of how they go about um, winning on the field. But I think production to some extent does translate uh, in that regard. So, yeah. and I think, and I think at the same time, it's also like Bain also had kind of like measurable questions, right? Like how, like, you know, big, like, you know, he's kind of, kind of a tweener. tweener. Booker. Yeah. yeah. Right. And Booker in, in different ways has similar questions about just maybe just the weight and all that type of stuff. So I think, you know, again, they're not the same player at all and different positions, but I think comparable questions of just like, what's he kind of kind of be at the next level. Yeah. Um, also big, you know, we, we mentioned the Clemson game, right? So it's a big recruiting opportunity for Miami in terms of hosting unofficial visitors. Um, you have a nice little list going already on the Through the Smoke message board at Inside the U. Uh, but who would you highlight maybe two or three names that the fans should know about here on the podcast that are expected to visit the game? Yeah, I think one of the most interesting names just on the visitors list, uh, Jere Hawkins, a Florida commit, a top 247 wide receiver. Uh, one of the, like, you know, most explosive, I guess, you know, fastest, maybe I should say twitchiest uh, pass catchers in the country. Uh, he owns a 10-4-500 meter, reportedly ran like a 4-2-5 at Ohio State over the summer. Uh, Miami was in like that was in the mix during the summer, got an official visit from him. He ended up picking Florida over Miami and Penn State. But I think it's interesting that he's kind of coming down for this game. Obviously, it's a big group from IMG Academy that's coming down. Uh, but I think Dre Hawkins kind of hopping on the bus and, and making his way down to me is pretty interesting. And just kind of going to the 2025 class, I mean, five-star DJ Pickett. We just talked about Booker Pickett. Uh, obviously same last names and they are family, they're cousins. And I know Miami and I mean, Booker and the, you know, the pickets are going to be working on, you know, cousin DJ who is the number one ranked safety in the country. Um, another, another just again, I, I for Jalen Wiggins is another top two, four, seven defensive lineman out of the Tallahassee area. This is his second visit uh, to Miami this cycle. Uh, I mean, this season, uh, I think he's a really big name. And I think he's six foot four. We listed at six foot four, 265 pounds. Amari Williams, I think, is a really, really big one. He's a top two, four, seven edge out of Palm Beach, Benjamin, who Miami has really, really picked it up with. Uh, I think he's absolutely like super, super coveted and, you know, has a lot of big time programs. And I think this is going to be the first time Amari Williams has kind of checked out. Uh, a Miami game since he's been a high profile recruit. And, uh, you know, just on top of all of those names, I think that there's going to be another senior in attendance uh, that's definitely noteworthy and, uh, you know, definitely stay locked into the site as we, uh, as we track that one and, and find the right time to, to release that little bit of news, but I'm definitely expecting another, another high profile class of 2024 prospect uh, to be in attendance. All right. We'll check it out. We'll follow it and see if he shows up. Attention business owners, have you filed for the employee retention credit? Do the latest IRS releases have you concerned about your filing? Are you seeking clarity on your employee retention tax credit filing? If you've done your employee retention tax credit filing to a third party and have reservations about its accuracy, turn to the experts at Musarino Furdock PLLC. Their team of experienced tax professionals will conduct a, a meticulous assessment of your filing, ensuring it adheres to all relevant regulations and guidelines. Their rigorous evaluation process will leave no stone unturned, providing you with a comprehensive analysis of your employee retention tax credit submission. There's no hidden fees. They're here to help business owners who may have fallen victim to a third-party scheme. Seek certainty in a complex landscape. Call Musarino Furdock, PLLC, at 561-437-0414 or visit musarinofurdock.com. That's M-U-C-E-R-I-N-O-F-U-R-D-O-C-K.com. Money can be the root of all evil when you don't understand it. A couple of bad decisions shouldn't continue to affect us years later, and the path to recovery shouldn't be as painful as the regret. Everyone at some point needs help with their financial situation, and Pride Financial can lend that helping hand. 
Pride Financial offers a patient and judgment-free environment and will provide you with the knowledge and power you need to realize your dreams. Once they identify your goals, they will guide you to the finish line, holding your hand every step of the way. Repairing and building credit is only the first step. They'll educate you on a variety of banking and financial institutions, what resources they offer, and how to maximize funding for your financial needs. Gain access to a vast network of realtors and licensed dealers to receive outstanding deals on prime real estate and the newest vehicles to fit your lifestyle. They even offer education and services to assist those more involved on the business side of things. Text 305-393-7698 or email globalchoice underscore consulting at yahoo.com to book a free consultation with Pride Financial, and let's take pride in our finances. This episode is also brought to you by Midway Sports, your one-stop shop for all of your sporting good needs, located just two miles south of the University of Miami. This locally owned small business has everything you would need to gear up for every sport. Their stocked up men's, women's, and kids selections has you and your family covered for all of your outdoor needs. Use promo code SMOKE15 for 15% off your online order at MidwaySports.com. All right, let's get into the game. And as usual, Gabby, let's let's start kind of with injury talk uh, as much as we can get into here. I think the, the, the place to start is at quarterback with Tyler Van Dyke. Um, you know, Susan Miller-Degnan of the Miami Herald reported that as she was walking in to the Monday press conference uh, on Monday, she saw Tyler Van Dyke walking with his leg heavily wrapped in in what might have been like an ace bandage, and he had a strong limp in his gait as he was walking. Um, So I, I do think this is a situation to monitor. I'm under the impression that Tyler is going to play or are going to give it a go. Um, but I, I, again, I think it's worth monitoring. I think it's fair to say after that report as well, that mobility is something to keep an eye on too with Tyler. But look, we, we know Tyler's a tough guy. He's played through plenty. He, he, he tried to give it a go with his shoulder deal a couple of times last year. This year, he has played through a ligament deal in his hand, and I expect him to try and give it a go on Saturday night as well. Do you have anything to add on that, Gabby? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I just to kind of reiterate that, you know, again, just me kind of checking in on my end, I think people expect him to to give it a go. So whatever that looks like, um, you know, Tyler's, I think one thing that we can't question about Tyler is his toughness and his willingness to to play through things. And uh, I, I definitely, uh, you know, I, I expect to see him out there uh, on Saturday, at least to to start things off. And let's see where it goes from there. The other guy I think to to talk about, too, uh, you know, relative to maybe some North Carolina uh, bumps and bruises is running back Henry Parrish. I'm kind of like, 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 let's see. I'd probably classify this as like questionable to doubtful. Again, when I went back and watched the game, I know there's a lot of buzz out there. Maybe it's true. I'm not like discounting this. I haven't heard this, but maybe it, you know, maybe I'm just hearing the wrong things. Uh, there's a lot of concussion talk out there, which has been something, you know, Henry's kind of had to navigate here during his college career in general. Uh, but when I went back and watched the North Carolina game, it to me it looked like it was more of an ankle thing that kind of sidelined him. Uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. So that's a situation to monitor. Um, Mark Fletcher, Mario Cristobal said at the Monday press conference, that's about two weeks out maybe. That kind of aligns with what I said in last week's preview podcast, you know, maybe a a month or so um, from last week uh, or coming out of the bye. And Aki Mesador, you know, I still think that's like a questionable to doubtful situation. I know like for me with Aki Mesador, I'm just kind of at the point where when he plays, he plays. And so if he if he wants to play, we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely be watching pregame and, and see how things look there. Uh, Trevante Citizen, I know there's a lot of buzz out there too that he could 
returned this week. Um, I think he's getting close. I don't know. I don't know if I can necessarily put an exact timetable on it, but I do think we're going to see him at some point this season. I said, I think coming out of the buy or going into the buy that Trevante might've been like a month away at that point. And so that timetable kind of lines up um, with what I had heard about a month ago. So I think maybe this week or the next two weeks, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. So those are the guys I know about. There's probably more. Um, that North Carolina game was physical, but we'll see who's out there in pregame warmups and definitely have some updates rolling on the website. So uh, let's get into the game. Again, Clemson at Miami, 8 p.m. kickoff, ACC Network. Uh, Miami has lost four straight to Clemson, dating back to 2015. Uh, they got smoked in all those games. Got a coach fired and Al Golden in that 2015 game. Sure Their did. last win was in 2010 at Clemson. Um, this season, Clemson's off to a four and two start. They are two and two in conference. They lost to Duke at Duke at the start of the season, 28 to seven. Um, then in week four, I believe it was, they lost to Florida State, 31 24 in overtime. They have secured wins over Charleston Southern, Florida Atlantic, Syracuse, and Wake Forest. Um, in terms of their coaches, right? Head coach, we all know Dabo Swinney. Uh, he's he's gone kind of full Dabo this week, Gabby, with some interesting quotes. One of which was, "He he doesn't want he doesn't want these bandwagon fans anymore, Gabby, up there at Clemson." He was quoted as saying, we're at a point in our time, and I hate that, where people, if you don't go undefeated, say you're losers, you're terrible. And it's just a terrible mindset. And honestly, maybe we need to lose a few games and lighten up the bandwagon. Sometimes the bandwagon can get a little too full. So things are going well up in Clemson. Dabo's <laughs> going full Dabo going into this game. Uh Offensive coordinator Garrett Riley comes over from TCU. Clemson's averaging 32 points per game. They're averaging 25 points per game against FBS opponents. So when you take out that Charleston Southern game, that that production dips um, uh, against FBS opponents. They're averaging only 5.1 yards per play. 218 passing yards per game against FBS opponents on a down-to-down situation, Gabby. I think it's fair to to characterize Clemson's offense as efficient. Uh, they're kind of a, a top 25 success rate team, both passing and running the ball. But from an explosiveness perspective, they're closer to like a top 50, top 60 uh, team in both rushing and passing. Um, in terms of like pure scrimmage plays that have gone for 20 yards, at least 20 yards, the Tigers have 21 on the year, which is third worst in the ACC. They're better than Wake Forest and NC State in that regard. Wes Goodwin is their defensive coordinator. He's their second year in that role. Uh, he was an analyst prior to that. And when Brent Venables was hired away to uh, be the head coach at Oklahoma, they, they elevated him to that D.C. role. Clemson is allowing 19 points per game. And, you know, Wes Goodwin has a talented bunch to coordinate there on that defensive side of the ball. 4.3 yards per play against FBS opponents, which is seventh best in the country, eighth in the country in team passing efficiency defense. They're also the, you know, after last week's performance by Miami, they are now the best run defense uh, statistically in the ACC. Um, so they have dudes at every level of the defense. And they can get after you in a, t in a ton of different ways. We'll get into their personnel here later. So let's get into the personnel. And let's start at quarterback, of course, on offense, Mr. Cade Klubnik. Gabby, what stands out to you about watching him at quarterback here through this first half of the season? Yeah, Cade Klubnik is, is an interesting study. Uh, obviously, highly recruited coming out of high school. I think he was a five-star quarterback uh, out of the Austin area. Um, you know, I, I think he 
I think Kate Klubnik does a good job of just kind of like knowing kind of where the, where to go with the football. I think getting it there at times can be dicey. Uh, I feel like, the, again, I don't know how vertical he's kind of looking to go. Like, I don't think he's the best, like, you know, maybe like downfield passer, but I feel like he kind of it runs seems off. like they are limiting his right. downfield, right? I mean, it seems like they want they, to be ball controlling. They definitely want to go. I feel like it was, it's a lot of like horizontal um, yes. you know, I feel like they, they're, they definitely work like that short to intermediate kind yes. of game. Like they're not looking to take a ton of shots unless it's just like really, really kind of there. Um, yeah, you know, I think, I think in the, I mean, he, his, uh, I think his interception to touchdown ratio was, I, I don't know, during the Wake Forest game, it was 11 to two or something like that. So it's he, 11 to two. Yeah. It's, it's still 11 to two. Um, I, I mean, so he takes care of the football. I don't know how many turnover worthy plays he's made, David, because I think he has Ten. probably, yeah, I was about to say, because it seems like he's yeah. making throws that maybe just aren't getting picked off. Um, and yeah. I think he could be a little erratic sometimes with the accuracy, especially, I mean, I think as, as he kind of maybe pushes it a little bit more down the field and even honestly to the sides too, like, cause they do a lot of like swing stuff with the running backs and he's even a little bit, he can be a little dicey even with those types of passes. But yeah, I mean, Kate Klubnik's not the type of guy I'm super concerned with being downfield, but he's also athletic. I think he is, I think what he, I think he's definitely an athletic dude and, uh, you know, he can kind of, you know, make you pay uh, with his ability to kind of scramble and go. Um, I don't think he's the best quarterback Miami. I mean, I think Drake may Connor Wegman, both better than Clay Kate Klubnik, just from like the perspective of what about Haynes King. Yeah, that's, I feel like, I mean, honestly, I feel like on tape, Haynes King looked better than Kate Klubnik. It was, but I think against Miami Haynes King wasn't that good. So I feel like that's where I've kind of stuck, but I feel like they're probably, that's probably like a toss up. I think that's a debate on like similar four. Yeah. But, uh, honestly, I'd probably go. Haynes King, just based on what I saw like going into the Georgia Tech game versus what I've kind of seen from Kate Klubnik. Honestly, I think one of Kate Klubnik's best games was against Florida State. Like, I mean, I feel yeah. like, the, I mean, I thought that was the one time that he was actually pretty efficient. And, you know, I think he gave Clemson a chance to win. Like, shoot, Clemson, I think, could have won that game. I mean, we, we can get into that later. But, yeah, I mean, I think Kate Klubnik is, is a middle-of-the-pack kind of quarterback compared to what we've seen from uh, you know, some other guys just over the course of the season so far. I I think it's a good matchup for Miami considering like what they've kind of struggled with, especially last week with North Carolina and the explosives. Like, I don't think that that's how Kate Klubnick's going to beat Miami. And I think, uh, you know, there's definitely a path to to rattling them up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it, he's definitely asked to execute a ball control type of offense. Um, I am curious, though, obviously, Gabby, Clemson's coming off a bye. So I am yeah. curious if things open up a little bit because they are coming off a bye. Uh, but you look at these first, this first half of the season for Clemson and 66% of his attempts are under 10 yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, he's attempting deep passes, which is 20 yards through the air past the line of scrimmage on only eight and a half percent of his throws. But I will say he he's doing a, you know, he's completing nine of 18 of those attempts, which is a pretty good mark. Um, as we mentioned, 10 worthy, 10 turnover worthy plays. One thing I, I feel like I've noticed about him too, just watching him here this week, you can heat him up with pressure. Yeah. And I think against FSU in particular, in that game, when FSU started bringing some extra rushers, he was struggling. That kind of started happening more so in the second half of that game. And uh, I went and lo- I looked up the stats. And, and when FSU sent an extra rusher, Klubnik was 6 of 13 for 58 yards, and he took a sack. So, you know, I'll, I'll, all quarterbacks are generally going to struggle or not yeah. at, be be as productive against pressure. But Cade, with, with where he's at in his trajectory as a first-year full-time starter, He's still kind of figuring things out. Like that's kind of how I view him. Like I think at times you can see the arm talent. I think you can see him rip it in there at times. Um, but I still feel like from a from a play playing up to the speed of college football at times, he's still kind of getting his feet under him. Um, and maybe you know, again, one thing I am worried about going into this game is does it all click for him this this week, coming out of a bye week, yeah. and you know, because I do think there's some talent there, and 
for sure. his running running ability that you were speaking of. Did you see what Lance Gidry said about him? I didn't. He said he's the fastest quarterback that Miami's faced to this point. He does I, look fast. I don't think he's like super like shifty, like, but I feel like right. he is kind of fast. Like when he gets running, I do feel like he is kind of fast. Right. And and I'm not like pushing back on it. It's just I wouldn't necessarily characterize him as like that much faster than like Drake or yeah. uh Connor or Haynes, honestly. Like I think they're kind of similar category of speed slash running ability. But Lance clearly feels different. Um anything else on Cade? No, I mean I th- I think you covered a lot of it, but I think just to kind of, I, I think really it's, I think you're just kind of seeing go, go, I think he's going through his lumps right now. You know, I think yes. it's kind of like, I, I do think he's going to put it together at some point. And I think when he does, he's going to be good. But I do agree that like the, so like to me, it's almost like you almost want to approach it. Like I think similar, like how they kind of approach trying to Wegman. derail Drake. To yeah. Me? Wegman and even Drake. Yeah. I feel like even the way they they went after Drake may too. Like I think Drake may's obviously slip like more slippery and just, I think it just obviously levels better. Um, but I think if you kind of throw that type of pressure at at Klubnik, he's not going to do what some of these other guys did. And like Wegman is a good example because similar I think classes, Miami, right? Right. Same recruiting yeah, class. Same recruiting class. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, Wegman, of course, that was what game two. So Klubnik has more experience under his belt. And Wegman started some games last year too. Don't get me wrong, but um, I do feel like you can heat him up. Also, too, one thing to note: like he is fumbling a lot. Uh, he yeah. has six fumbles on the season. So he's kind of a turnover guy. Like he has gotten away with some turnovers in the passing game. And in addition to that, he is fumbling quite a bit yeah. while taking sacks or running. I feel like the I feel like it's even like botched exchanges, like just even like yeah. the hand like the, the handoffs with Shipley or anything like that. Like I feel like some of those exchanges get kind of messy too. Pass catchers. Um Gabby, to me. Like this is where Clemson when when we talk about how like Clemson is kind of slipping back to the pack in recent years, this is a position group you can circle big time. Uh, that's the biggest difference with when Clemson was rolling and with where Clemson's at now. To me, they kind of have just a bunch of guys at receiver. I will say one guy that does look different from a dynamic standpoint is freshman Tyler Brown. He's really emerged here out of the slot. Really, he kind of had his coming out party against FSU, generated some explosive plays in that game. Just looked different, too, just the way he moved. And then the next week at Syracuse, caught nine passes for 153 yards. So to me, he's like by far their scariest pass catcher to identify pre-snap. Yeah. And, and from a Miami standpoint, that's like struggling kind of to contain deep passes here in recent weeks he's a guy that can take a top off a defense he's caught five of six deep shots this year for 151 yards and one touchdown so they have guys like antonio williams who's going to come back to veteran kind of guy uh Bo collins possession type guy yeah and then they'll tight end and running back you to death in the passing game too but really tyler brown is like the one guy i'm kind of concerned about yeah, I think Tyler Brown is definitely the guy that's kind of emerged for them. Uh, Antonio Williams, like you said, is another who I think is just an older guy that I think they, they haven't had. I think he's missed like three games. Yes. Uh, yes, he may be coming back this week. So we'll see how that kind of impacts uh, things. But I think he, you know, I think he definitely has some. He ability. plays in the slot. And if yeah. I'm Miami, I want him to play more than Tyler. Yeah, so. like I, and that's going to be an interesting dynamic of how they kind of like use both of those guys or how they rotate them in. Uh, Bo Collins, I mean, yeah, I feel like he's kind of just he's a big outside receiver that doesn't really create possession. much separation. Yeah, and just has you know exactly. Yeah, I guess possession's a good way to do. It. I like I like the 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 tight end, the burning stool kid, and I feel like they go to him a little bit. All right. I, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I mean we'll get into the we'll get into the running backs, but it feels like they kind of go to them in the passing game too, just like option routes with Shipley and uh, little things like that, and they'll kind of do a lot of swing stuff to the running backs. So uh, I think they definitely you know get the running backs involved uh, in the passing game as much as they can too. So let's get into them. So I agree. Like they. They give them looks in the passing game that's almost just like a handoff kind of, yeah, like a like different ex- way to get them the, the ball, right? Right, like an what, extended handoff. What stands up to you about Will Shipley and Phil Moffa? Because I think they're by far the best duo 
Miami's yeah. faced to this point. I mean, they're big. I mean, they're big. They're strong, um, fast. I mean, Will Shipley is is. I feel like he has NFL ability just because of his ability to just be so good in the passing game. I think he has really good contact balance. Uh, I think he's kind of just he, he, like vision. just yeah, vision. I mean, I think he's just. I think Will Shipley's really good, and again, I think he can just kind of beat you in a Shifty. couple different ways. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's he's a good back. Um, you know, I think he's a really really good player. And then Mafa's kind of just like that. I don't even know if it's like change of pace, but I mean, he's kind of like a bruiser. You know, he's someone that they kind of that he kind of runs between the tackles, and he can just make things difficult. You got to you got to be able to bring him down. I think with that with those running backs, you got to be willing to be so physical. And I think a lot of it starts with just kind of containing those guys because I think if you can contain those running backs, I think that offense. Uh, you know, it makes it a lot more difficult for them to kind of do, uh, you know, what they want to do. Cause I think they put so, I think they put so much on those running backs, uh, you know, so with, yep. I think Shipley specifically, but I, I feel like the whole offense kind of goes through those guys. And, uh, but I think yep. they're both, I think they're both super talented and, and Shipley's a, a lot of fun to watch. I, I, I think, I, I don't know if this, this is still true, but I was watching the, the Florida State game. And at that point, he was the FBS leader or i think like just of any player in college football like i guess throughout this career uh to this point i guess of current players of just like average like total yards per game i think it was like 124 like like total yards per game or something like that like maybe it's just among running backs but uh he, he he's a he's a player man i mean he, he's he's really good and definitely someone that lance gidry is gonna have to you know make sure that they're kind of handling yeah those running backs are the key and that's why like Earlier, you know, we referenced this offense is efficient, not explosive. The efficiency goes back to those uh, running backs and, and being able to to do their job. With Phil Maffa, like the, you're right, he, like he's he's a big physical back, six one two thirty. The the stat that stands out about him is four and a half yards per carry after contact. So he's a guy that you know we saw how O'Mary and Hampton kind of ripped up Miami and Miami yeah. kind of wilted, you know, the last 20 minutes of the game or so. Uh, Mafa has that same potential. How about their offensive line? To me, Gabby, like, you know, it's kind of an average. And at mm -hmm. times they, they perform really poorly. I think they sustained an injury, which has been big for that group. Walker Parks went down with an injury, a season-ending injury. And they've kind of struggled to find a consistent like fifth guy on the offensive line to plug in and, and you know have consistency there. Mitchell Mays has kind of been the guy that they've gone with, and he really struggled against Florida State, allowed uh, seven pressures against the Seminoles the next week, struggled against Syracuse, uh, four pressures. You know, I think they're a group that – is kind of playing with four guys, it seems like, at times. They don't really have that depth that you would expect maybe Clemson to have. They do have a good center, Will Putnam. Yeah, Will Putnam is, is good. Does a good job. and uh, But I would characterize, like, if we're comparing them to teams Miami's played against, they're not as good as the North Carolina offensive line. And I think at times they can have disasters like the Texas A&M offensive line can have yeah uh, i i mean i'm definitely on like on the same page uh i i think that you know i just as a i think they're probably a better run blocking group and i don't know if the stats support that of just watching the game i think they're probably a better run blocking offensive line than maybe a pass protecting offensive line because i do feel like Cade, like again when that pressure comes i feel like it comes quickly and yeah again they, they don't strike me as a very like like a super, super strong offensive line or anything like that. And which is weird because that's what you you would come you would expect from Clemson. And they have some big names. I mean, Tr Tristan Lee is their left tackle. Um, he's a name that some Miami fans might be familiar with from a few cycles ago when he was kind of like flirting with Miami a little bit there at the end, ended up at Clemson. And then Marcus Tate, the left guard, uh, played at U School in Fort Lauderdale. So definitely some some there's talent there, but again, it doesn't seem like they're very deep. Has and that right. Gelled. It yeah, and like that the, it's together. that right guard spot that they're kind of figuring out, right? Like that's kind of like where the big hole is because then they have Blake yeah. Miller is that is that right tackle with Putnam at center, and so yeah, I mean I think that it's I think Miami has an advantage there. Like that's that's kind of one of the spots that I'm looking at that where I feel like again Miami can kind of generate some havoc and uh, make things really complicated for 
for club Nick. And, you know, again, I think it's about stopping that run. So uh, let's see if that's a, a spot where Miami can, can kind of, you know, find a, an upper hand. Thompson's defense to me by far the best so defense good. Miami has seen to this point. Yep. Agreed. And I, I think it will be the best defense they play this season. Uh, Florida State will have a say in that as well, but I do think Clemson has the edge there defensively over Florida State. They're just, they're nasty at all levels. You know, I think if you want to nitpick them and say their defensive line isn't quite as deep and talented as it was when Clemson was rolling, I think that's fair. But regardless, this is a very good defensive line still led by Xavier Thomas who at times in that Florida state game was a freak show yep. with the way he was like, there was a play in that game, Gabby. I want to say like he whipped the tackle, then ran through the tight end that tried to trip him or chip him. Then bulldozed the running back that tried to help out as well. Jordan Travis climbs into the pocket and Xavier Thomas still tackled him. It was just like, was what? it was that the one that they're pinned like way back yes. on their on their old like with the like on their Late goal line? The yeah, super. Yeah. And I think it was like a three man rush, and like the and Thomas just like bends around the edge, and like that 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 bend there was just so impressive. I mean, he's he he's and he was like a former five star. Like this isn't just some yeah. random like he's I think he's like a six year guy now, guy. but yeah. he's dealt with a ton of injuries, but like supremely talented. He played at IMG, didn't he? He did. He did. Yeah. So he's he's a freak show. Twenty two pressures on the year leads them. Um, that's a guy to watch. Tyler sure. Davis, their D tackle, stud, active. You know, I don't I don't know what he's going to be NFL wise, but stud, college defensive tackle, yeah. prototypical linebacker duo. You know, we talked about last week how North Carolina had a really good linebacker duo. This one's better. Like Jeremiah Trotter is extremely physical linebacker and Barrett Carter is just a freak show athlete that yep. can like cover slot wide receivers if he yeah. needs to. Um, and then in the secondary, you know, if I was going to pick maybe a weakness, I might say like, eh, maybe sometimes you can get their safeties a little bit, but they're not bad. And then I, you know, it sounds like Nate Wiggins, who is their best yeah. quarter is coming back this week after sustaining an injury late in that Florida state game. So they are good at every level. Um, again, best run defense in the ACC right now. What do you want to add to on their defense? Yeah. I mean, just want to highlight two of the freshman defensive linemen that get a ton of burn uh, TJ Parker, uh, Tamarian Parker out of Phoenix city, Alabama. I mean, he, I think Ruben Bain leads the nation in pressures, uh, yeah, for, for, for true, true freshmen, freshmen, for true yeah. freshmen. And Tamarian Parker's second, uh, TJ Parker's second. Uh, Peter Woods is another kid from the state of Alabama who kind of played, I think he's like 6'2", 215, but an early enrollee. He was just, you know, another guy that they throw into that mix that they're young, but they're ready to go. And 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 they definitely contribute and, and do their part. So I think both those guys are worth highlighting. Uh, and I, I, I was just watching Clemson and like my super hot take, and I don't even know if it's that much of a hot take, but I think they have like, five corners who would be Miami's best yeah. corner. Like they, right. Nate Wiggins is, is, is like total stud. Uh, Sheridan Jones is really good. They have that Veteran. Lucas kid. Yeah. That Lucas kid. Uh, that's really good. The Andrew and Amb- Buka. I don't know if I'm saying that right. He's really good. And then you have, um, uh, tomorrow, uh, Terriano pride or like, and he's like, Toriano pride. Toriano yep. pride. And he was like, he started, I think he started with both. I think, I think it was Mbuka and, Nate They're Wiggins rotating a lot, but all those guys, I mean, all those guys are good. Like all yeah. those guys make plays like that corner room is just like so good. Like so, so talented. I mean, very impressive. Just watching all those, like all those guys can make plays. Like you think if all oh, Wiggins isn't on the field, I can go to this guy. And it's just like, no. And I, I do agree that the safeties is maybe where they can get maybe a little bit caught up. Like I think RJ Mickens is a guy who at times can be, a little bit out of position. I, I like They're the Jaylen. veteran safeties though, is what I like. They've played a lot of football. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, you give them that. Yeah. But... And I like, I like the Jalen Phillips kid too. He made a really good play on Johnny Wilson, uh, covering yep. Johnny Wilson, uh, in that Florida state game. And it's like, Johnny Wilson's a six foot seven, you know, dude. And you know, to walk, like it, it was, it was a nice play where he came and broke up a pass. And yeah, I mean, that's a very good, I mean, I think it's a very good corner room and I think it's a overall, it's a, 
it's a high level secondary, high level linebackers. That defensive front is is very good. So yeah, I mean that Clemson defense, that Clemson defense is a is a huge huge problem. Yeah, I think it starts with Xavier Thomas, Tyler Davis, and Jeremiah Trotter, Barrett Carter. Like those yeah. four in your front seven, they cause problems. And then there the other guys that they throw in there on the D line are good players too. Yeah. Um, the O O O, he's good. Yeah. The um, so they're they're a D line that you know under this coordinator, uh, Wes Goodwin. They they still get up after you with a vertical pass rush and linebackers come downhill and it's a lot of man coverage. At least that's what Clemson has shown to this point. Will they mix it up coming off the bye? We'll see. Um, and then special teams. You know Clemson has struggled on field goal attempts this yeah. year. Four of ten. We all know kind of. You know, they, they signed a guy up the waiver wire, basically just bringing a guy back that still had eligibility. That was he a walk was like, on. He, he was like banking or something like that. Like he was, he was about some... to be in yeah. finances. Yeah. So they, they do have kicker struggles, which of course is notable for a game that might be a close game. Uh, they have gone for it on fourth down 11 times. They've converted five of them. And their punter is, is having a good year statistically. Aiden Swanson averaging 45 yards per punt, doing a really nice job. So uh, this is a game where, you know, look, Clemson has a offense that kind of has some question marks and a good defense. So field position and executing on special teams opportunities is going to be big for both teams, uh, but particularly Clemson. So anything else to add there, Gabby? No, no. All right, let's take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll get into this from the Miami point of view. All right, Gabby, three things we want to see from Miami in this Clemson game. You yeah. have the floor. Yeah, I mean, just picking back up right where you left off, which is why I didn't want to say too much. Like one of the first things I wrote was win the field position battle, and uh, it's and, and I say that. Uh, one, because I think that just because I feel like this, just the lack of like maybe overall explosiveness, I kind of want, I think you want to kind of force Clemson to like have to methodically like drive it down the field and, uh, you know, kind of have to go the distance, you know, or just have to have, just have to grind through these really, really long drives, which they're capable of doing. And then uh, kind of going to a second point is just making those like a second thing I want to see is just making the like you got to in the red zone, you have to be good. You have to kind of force those fourth down situations, because I think especially when the, the field goal gets to the point where it's like 30 yards plus, maybe even closer. I don't think they really want to kick it. So I think they will go for it. And I think you just need to be efficient. And I, I just watching that Duke game, um, you know, I think that that was a part where Duke really kind of found a way to kind of turn things in their favor they had two huge yep. stops uh in the red zone they had a missed field goal which i guess was just foreshadowing the long-term problem that's kind of snowballed to it through the rest of the year and they also recovered a fumble on like kind of like a botch like you know clay klubnik like mishandled the snap a little bit and they fell on it um but i think a lot of it is you know winning that field position battle what they do get into the red zone forcing them into those you know long third downs or make making them move the sticks on fourth down see if you could steal a couple of possessions that way and then uh, i guess another thing i would highlight i think that it's just super key is just do your best to limit that running back efficiency i think kind of keying on those guys and i i think if the running back if the running back struggle whether that be just catching the ball running the ball and you can kind of limit that i think it just makes what they want to do a lot more difficult and again i think that there's a path to making things uh complicated for that clemson offense and i think it starts with yeah. uh limiting those running backs yeah i think so north you know if we're referencing the north carolina game and the run game struggles in that game north carolina puts you in more of a bind than, than sure. Clemson does because obviously Drake may and his weapons at receiver scare you more than what Clemson has. And I do think, you know, on paper, Miami should be able to key in more on stopping the run. Now, will they be able to get that done? That's a big question. Uh, that's a big kind of key in this game. Um, and I agree with you in terms of like, you know, making Clemson have to methodically move the ball down the field. I think if Clemson is generating explosives, that's a really bad sign for Miami definitely. on Saturday night. So that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, one thing I'm 
I just want to see is look, uh, and, and two of these points kind of overlap, but I want to see Miami on offense uh, do some things that beat aggressive defenses. Uh, again, we know like Clemson's defensive line attacks, gets upfield in a hurry. Linebackers trigger quickly and, and blitz often. The defensive backs play a lot of man coverage, right? So what should you do against those type of looks? Screens, misdirection plays, play actions, maybe even some double moves. You know, Clemson is ultra aggressive on defense. That's kind of their identity. Make them make them pay for that style of play at times. And then in addition to that, I think we're going to, you know, one of the common issues with Miami in this four-game losing streak against Clemson is Miami's skill talent on the outside in particular. Outside receivers have not been able to win against that man coverage that Clemson plays. So, you know, you look at the 2022 game, and this is just the the top-producing outside receiver in the game. In the 2022 game, Colby Young caught four passes for 25 yards. In the 2020 game, Keyshawn Smith caught one pass for 42 yards in garbage time when the game was over. In 2017, Jeff Thomas caught two passes for 20 yards. And in 2015, Stacey Coley caught eight passes for 54 yards. So I think, I I, I do think it is worth saying if Clemson does come out and play man coverage, which I think they will. I mean, that's kind of who they are. I think that better suits Tyler. Uh, I think Tyler does better against man coverage for the most part. Now we've seen the majority of the teams Miami's gone against this year play zones. Um, but if Clemson comes out and plays a bunch of man coverage, that means Colby Young, Jacoby George, Isaiah Horton, Tyler Harrell have to get open um, and make plays for Tyler Van Dyke. I think, too, it's worth saying when Tyler has gotten in trouble this season, in general, it's been against zone coverages uh, where he's trying to execute the intermediate passing game. I hope Shannon Dawson is putting an emphasis on Tyler to embrace checking the ball down. Um, and I hope, too, he he tweaks his play calls a little bit to go more quick game in the passing game and more deep shots. You know, that's not to say you go completely away from the intermediate passing game. You cannot and should not do that. But I think your tendencies need to go a little bit more to the quick game and work some deep shots in there too. Um, to me, Gabby, like this is this is all coming back to like this idea of Shannon Dawson is an air raid offensive coordinator. We've seen how air raid teams have had success against man coverage all the time. If Clemson sticks with it, like I think they probably will, Miami needs to go get that production um, against that man coverage type of look. The other point I would bring up that's been kind of a common thread here in these recent Clemson games is just matching the level of physicality that Clemson brings to a game at the start. Um, to me, like Miami struggled, you know, going back to these four losses in a row, Miami has struggled handling that wave of physicality in the first quarter that Clemson brings. Uh, you know, things get ramped up to a different level when you face a talented team like Clemson. And I do think the speed and physicality of Clemson's defense in particular has kind of stunned Miami. And it's hard to climb out of that hole. So you go back to the last four games. Here is the first quarter scores in those games. 2015, Clemson up 21-0. 2017, Clemson up 14-0. 2020, Clemson up 7-0. 2022, Clemson up 14-0. It's just hard to get out of those holes against a talented team, obviously, like Clemson. So I think, you know, Miami needs to be ready here at the start of the game. They haven't been against 
these Clemson teams of the recent past. This year's Clemson team is not those Clemson teams. So I do think there's a chance that the game is a little more competitive in the first quarter. Um, but hopefully that is the case. Got to see it. I, I also think too, like if, if Miami is hanging in there, that fourth quarter physicality is also yeah. kind of a, a, a thing to monitor too, because Clemson's been in these type of fights, you know, like they are a championship level program. They know kind of how to, how to go about hanging in there and closing out these type of games. And even in those blowout wins that Clemson has, they've outscored Miami 34 to 17 in the fourth quarter of those games. So, um, you know, you got to stay in the fight. Can't get worn down. Clemson definitely has the potential to do both of those things. And then the last thing I want to bring up, Gabby, is turnovers. Yeah. Um, Clemson has 10 turnovers lost on the year. Teams have scored 43 points off those turnovers. Most of their turnovers have been of the fumble variety. We know, we, we've talked about how Cade Klubnik has fumbled it six times. He's been picked twice. He's had 10 turnover-worthy plays. The sack fumble against FSU was a critical play yeah. in that game. Uh, you know, FSU returned that fumble for a touchdown. And Duke in that in that game scored 15 points off of their turnovers. Miami, we all know, 12 turnovers coming in this game. Nine in the last two games. Uh, Miami's allowed 30 points on the season off turnovers. So um, I would imagine turnovers, of course, are going to play a big role in this game where momentum and field position are going to be massive. Um, and, you know, again, with the, both of these teams, it is not hard to draw those lines to turnovers equals losses for both these teams. So we'll see how that matchup plays. The Star Horton Group is a real estate company that covers all of Miami-Dade, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Born and raised in Miami, Star is committed to growing his clients' wealth and securing their futures. One of the top realtors in the state, Star knows the ins and outs of the market to make sure his clients get the best possible value when they sell or buy. If you're looking to buy or sell or know someone who is, call or text Star directly at 561-573-4661. And here's the beauty. When you refer someone to Star, he will donate $250 to the Miami Hurricanes Athletic Fund in your name upon the closing of the deal. So to have a great real estate experience and help our Canes, call or text Star today at 561-573-4661. Are you a business owner or manager in need of seasonal or temporary staff? Let the folks at LT Pro Enterprises assist. The folks at LT Pro Enterprises can help you find laborers for your business in the state of Florida with an expanding footprint to other states as well. Reach out to Lionel Torres at torreslionel1, the number one, at gmail.com. LT Pro Enterprises, your source for all of your staffing and labor needs. How about what we like from a Miami standpoint, a matchup going into this game. Yeah, I, I think that Miami's defensive line and just what they can kind of do to that Clemson offensive line and how they can kind of create that disruption and how kind of rattle up Cade and and just test him. You know, I think it's about I think you got to make him uncomfortable. I think you kind of got to put him in a place where he's, you know, again, just kind of scrambling a little bit, just like, you know, having to make quick decisions, um, kind of get him off off base and I think that that's Miami's best shot to kind of make that offense uh inefficient is by just being disruptive at the line of scrimmage and especially in the pass rush when it comes to just getting that pressure up in Cade's face and around him where again I mean I, I kind of look back at the Kiko Mawanoa uh sack on Drake May last week and like that's a similar play that kind of broke down for Clemson that led to the Florida State sack right. scoop and score so, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Lance Gidry dialed that like a similar blitz up like that. Um, we saw how Bain kind of came off the edge and, you know, where it was able to strip it from Drake. May. Like, I feel like those types of plays are the types of plays that potentially go the other way in this type of game. Because we talk about how there's who knows how Drake may held on to that ball. Like, I, I don't think Cade Klubnik holds on holds on to that ball. Um 
so I, I think they just got to get find ways to just get bodies, uh, you know, to Cade and, and just to make him uncomfortable. And I think Miami has the advantage uh, in, in that phase of the game right now. I agree. How about a matchup to keep an eye on from a Miami standpoint? Yeah, to me, it's, I think it's something else that you're kind of touching on, just like with the man coverage and how they're probably going to do that with Miami's wide receivers, uh, especially like, you know, even Colby Young, Jacoby George. Like, I, I really do think that that cornerback room is is very, very good, very talented. I mean, Nate Wiggins, I think he has the lowest quarterback passer rating allowed in the country when targeted um, or something or like he's really high up there. And does Miami have an outside receiver that's going to beat him? Or is he just kind of eliminating whoever he's covering from a play, uh, you know, and then the other ones kind of got to step up. And so I, I, I personally don't love the wide receiver matchup that Miami has kind of going on. I, maybe more specifically outside wide receiver, the outside wide receivers against Clemson's top two cornerbacks. Uh, so that's probably where I'm I'm concerned about whether they're going to be able to create that separation and and put themselves in position to kind of make plays for Tyler. I'm kind of worried about uh, not even kind of I'm I'm honestly very worried about Francis Maui Noah against Xavier Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, I think gonna be this one. is going to be a big problem. Uh, I think Miami needs both Maui Noah to level up. And you got to help them with tight ends and, and running backs. I think that's that's going to be an issue on on Saturday night. How about a player that needs to step up? Yeah, I mean, I'll take the low hanging fruit and I'll rule Tyler. I mean, obviously, he needs to play uh, a much better game if Miami wants to win against Clemson. Uh, you know, it starts with the quarterback, and you know, he needs to be the guy that kind of elevates his game and does it make. You know, those turnovers, like, doesn't create those turnovers or does it just, just doesn't put my dig Miami into into holes that they're not going to be able to climb themselves out of. So Tyler needs to be efficient. Tyler needs to kind of find a way to put these last, you know, couple games behind him and, and, and just kind of find a way to kind of get back into a groove that he was in prior. Uh, so I think Tyler Van Dyke really is is the guy who needs to step up. And uh, he he's, I mean, I think it, 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 we'll know – which way this is going based on his performance, especially early. So let's see if uh, Tyler can, can kind of get back on track and he's hurt, you know, obviously maybe that's not super fair, but, um, but yeah, I think Tyler's the guy that, that needs to step up. I'll go with Jacoby George just because yeah. I think he's, he's Miami's best man beater, man coverage beater, um, wide receiver this season. Uh, for the most part, again, defenses have played Miami, you know, with zones. And Xavier Restrepo is the best zone beater receiver uh, that Miami has. Uh, but George on the year has caught four of seven targets against man coverage. And that has led to 134 yards and one touchdown. So he needs to win that one-on-one -on -one matchup on the outside when he does face that man coverage. Potential player of the game. Yeah, my potential player of the game, I'm going to go with Ruben Bain. Uh, I think he's someone that, again, if it's about getting to Cade, if it's about, you know, causing that disruption, I think Ruben Bain has been the best on Miami's defense, uh, you know, just at doing those types of things to this point of the season. So uh, I, I'm looking at Ruben Bain as a guy who can cause a lot of that havoc uh, in that Clemson backfield and potentially, you know, play a big role in, in getting Cade Klubnik off, off balance and, and making him, him uncomfortable. So uh, I'm looking at Ruben Bain, hoping he has a, himself a, a nice game. I'll go Kiko Maui Noah, yeah. the middle linebacker. Just got to contain that running back do as much as possible. Yeah. Again, I don't think you have to respect the Clemson passing game as much as you did last week against North Carolina. And so I do think you can sell out a little bit and, and go stop that run. Sportsline projection over unders for daily fantasy. Sportsline has Tyler Van Dyke at 242 passing yards over or under. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with over and I don't feel super confident about that, but I, I think we're going to go. I think he's going to, because I feel like even when Tyler has kind of weirdly bad games, like I still think he finds a way to get yardage. So I'm going to, I'm going to go over. If he finishes the game, I will say over. Yeah, if he finishes, uh, that's, a, that's a good one. Just not sure. I don't know if Miami's going to be able to run the ball, so I think they're going to have to throw the ball a lot. Yeah. So 
I would say over. Cade Klubnik, they have at 213 passing yards, which is just kind of under his season averages. Where would you say with that? Yeah, if that's a season average, season, I'm going to go under just because I think Miami's done a really good job at holding quarterbacks to below season averages just in general for the most part. I don't think May was, but he was way under from a completion percentage standpoint. So I'm going to go under. I think Miami does a good job with these types of quarterbacks. And so I think that they're going to do a good job on him. Yeah, I'll say like 200. So that's like under barely. Um, And then I made this one up. Yes or no. Clemson has at least one 100-yard rusher in this game. I'm going to say no. Uh, I, I think Clemson's only had a 100-yard rusher in one of their Power 5 games to this point. And I think Will Shipley had like 114 in that Duke game. Um, so I'm going to go no. And I think it's just because of that balance that they kind of I, – I do think that they kind of like split those Phil Moffa, Will Shipley reps up like fairly decently where, you know, I think – you know, there, I think there's been times where they collectively have gone well over 100, but I don't think, but there's still like not one that's that high. So I'm going to go under, don't feel super confident about that one either, but I, I think it's, I think it, we're not, I don't know if we're going to see a hundred yard rusher from them. I'm going to say yes, unfortunately. Oof. Uh, betting lines. Last I looked, Clemson was at minus three. So Clemson was a three point favorite. The over under 48 and a half. Let's just roll all this up into the score prediction, Gabby. Let's uh, break it all down. What are you going to say for score prediction, betting line, predictions? How you feeling? Yeah, I, 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 I trap myself into these, into these situations. But look, I mean, I don't know. Watched a lot of Clemson. I, look, I think that there's definitely a path to victory for Miami. And I think that's where I'm kind of hanging my hat. And uh, look, I mean, I don't think Clemson's a really good team. I mean, uh, how good do we think Florida State is? Because truthfully, I mean, I th- I'm watching that game back and obviously Flo- Clemson didn't win that game. Florida State won that game. But I think there's really two plays that you can kind of point to that just kind of lo- like lopsided that. And that's the fact that the k- kicking situation is absolutely atrocious in that one strip sack that led to a touchdown. But, you know, I thought Clemson, I mean, Clemson's a very, very good team. Um, and I don't know why. I just feel in my gut and I'm just rolling with it and there's not much to it, but I just think we're going to, I think we're going to see Miami try to figure a way out of this thing. I'm going, I'm going 24, 20 Miami. So I guess I'm taking Miami plus three under 48 and a half. Um, I wish I had sound logic to kind of present to this, but I think Kate, I think Miami can make Kate Klubnik very uncomfortable. And I think that could be tough. If Miami does zero in, on that running game and pl- and just have a, a bounce back performance against the run. Um, I definitely see a, a, a path to them making things very, very difficult for that Clemson offense. And then that Clemson defense is, is really, really good. And Miami's going to have to steal a couple possessions. I think uh, really win that turnover battle uh, definitely win the field position battle, you know, make a big stop in the red zone. A lot of things are going to have to go right, but um, I, I mean, Miami hasn't won an ACC home game, under Mario Cristobal yet, I think that this would be a big one. And uh, I'm, I want to say I'm fairly almost like 51, 49% optimistic that Miami figure finds a way to win this game. And I'm rolling with the hurricanes, man. Here we are. Here we are again. Let's see. Yeah. I think it's a winnable game. Um, you know, I, I, I do think that Clemson defense is salty and you know, maybe the best way to explain that is I think we can all agree that Florida State's offense is really impressive, right? Yeah. Um, at least they have really impressive weapons uh, and, and Mike Norvell can dial it up. That Clemson defense held them to 17 points at the end of regulation because, you know, Florida State scored a defensive touchdown and then Florida State scored an overtime touchdown. But at the end of regulation, Florida State's offense was responsible for 17 points. And to me, that speaks to how good that Clemson defense is. Um, You know, I'll be honest, like, I don't like the timing of this game for Miami. Uh, You know, Clemson is well-rested and and coming off a bye week. They have an opportunity to settle things down, maybe, that, that didn't look 
too good for them in the, in the first half of the season. And look, good, good programs. And I think Clemson is a good program. Good programs get better coming off a bye. Uh, to me, this game's kind of, kind of come down to turnovers and finishing drives. And honestly, Clemson is about as good or bad, however you want to view it as Miami in both of these areas. Um, but I know like for me, like, if this game had been played two weeks ago, I probably would have picked Miami to win. But there's just too many unknowns at this point with this team. And for that reason, I'm going to say Clemson 21, Miami 17. So that means I am betting on Clemson to cover. And I am taking the under 48 and a half. So that's where it is for me. I do think, look, if uh, I do think this is by far the most vulnerable Clemson team Miami has played during this recent stretch. And again, I think a fully healthy Miami of two weeks ago probably would have won this game. But let's see how things look on Saturday. So hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully Gabby is correct. Uh, we will have it all covered before during and after the game appreciate everyone for listening uh thanks again to our sponsors for their support and until next time take care